Thanks for joining me for this week. Uh, you're listening to Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk about um, some NBA news, kind of do an update on the MVP conversation, uh, Steph Curry's recent historic run, uh, the Derek Chauvin trial today that um, they the jury was had decided um, that he was guilty on all counts. Um, so I think in eight weeks, I believe, they're going to uh, do sentencing. So he's facing up to 40 years. I'm sure by now you've seen all the statements from different organizations, teams, and, and athletes, and political um, parties, and, and politicians, and things like that. It's like, well, you know, this was going to happen. All the facts were there, and, you know, we had video of what happened. So don't really care what they think, as, you know, as long as I, I only care what the jurors thought. And, and thought he was guilty, and he was, so I'm, I only care about what their statements were. Um, so, you know, I guess justice served there. Uh, we'll see if, if he face, faces a maximum sentence of um, the, the 40 years or not. Um, but, yeah, I guess, um, I guess that uh, is done for now. Um, so moving on to NBA talk. Uh, Steph Curry last night uh, against the Sixers, he had 49 points. Uh, able to get the Warriors a win, and I think they're still ninth place in the West. Uh, they're barely kind of hovering, hovering around uh, 500. Um, so if the playoffs ended right now, they'd be in that play-in game. But the last 12 games, I believe he just passed Kobe Bryant's record for the oldest player with 30 or more points in 11 straight games. So he passed him with the 12th game. And he also passed Bradley Beal uh, to lead the NBA in scoring. I think he's at 31.4. And he's at his physical uh, peak right now. It seems like he's in his best physical shape. And, uh, you know, his playing style right now, even his, his shot, everything, he's playing at his best right now. He's at his peak at age 33, which is crazy because he's already won three championships a unanimous MVP, so he has two MVPs, and and it's crazy to think that he's at his best right now. Uh, but, you know, the roster around him right now is just not where he needs to be. James Wiseman was out for the rest of the year uh, with the torn meniscus. Draymond is, you know, he's Draymond. He, he's good. He's effective. He's he's, he's moving the ball. He's, he's has a career high in assists, and he's still a good defender. But, you know, he doesn't really do anything scoring-wise. You know, he sets screen. He kind of sets things up for everyone else, but... Other than that, you know, Kelly Oubre hasn't been very good. You know, Andrew Wiggins has been, I think, average is is being nice there. Um, he's had his ups and downs. He's been, you know, pretty good defensively, actually. But his jump shot is still inconsistent. Um, we've seen what Kelly Oubre has been doing. This roster isn't good. This roster shouldn't compete for anything. Um, and, you know, they have, they, ha- they have some options, I guess, for the future. You know, they're... James Wiseman is a project. I don't know if he's going to be ready to be, you know, contributing every day, um, you know, during Steph Curry's career. Because, you know, you got to think Steph probably has a few years, you know, left in the league maybe. But right right now he's at his peak. So I've never seen him play better than he's playing right now. Uh, but the Warriors do have options as far as trades. They have that Minnesota pick that uh, I think will end up being top four because Minnesota's terrible this year. And then they can piece that together with James Wiseman if they wanted to. And, um, you know, they could have traded for Bradley Beal. They ended up not doing that. Uh, but next year you get Clay back. 
And I think they'll they'll compete next year. I thought they would have competed this year for a championship with Clay back healthy and uh, with Draymond back, and then you bring in some other guys with uh, with the Andrew Wiggins and some other pieces like that. But uh, since that didn't happen, you know, Steph has to shoulder everything on this team offensive uh, offensively, and you know you have other teams double teaming him, even triple teaming him. But it's the way he's able to move without the ball. You know, and and gets open and hits hits his shots, and he's he drives the baskets. He does he does everything that he he needs to do, and it's just been he has been really fun to watch, especially these last um, ten twelve games. You know, he just passed Will Chamberlain for uh, most points in in Warriors franchise history, and you know he's been must see TV since he's been in college. You know, when he was at Davidson. Uh, he was just like phenomenal, and I had to watch every game, you know, that Davidson was playing, even though I, I didn't even know where Davidson was at the time. And then he had that great run in the tournament, March Madness, but he changed the game, you know, pretty much. It's everyone wants to spread the floor and, and move without the ball, like the Denver Nuggets play like that a lot, and they want to take deep shots. Even you know, you see kids who can't shoot, make a fucking free throw. <laughs> They're out. They're out there running around YMCA ball, trying to shoot half court shots and shoot deep threes. I just wish that they would also they would also see how he plays without the ball when he's always moving and stuff. You know, when I'm coaching, you know, I coach little kids sometimes, and I'm always trying to get through their thick heads. Like you got to move without the ball. You got to get open. We we got to get some motion on, on offense. You can't just pass the ball and then stay in the same spot because you're gonna be it's gonna be easy to defend. So if everyone just picks up on what he does without the ball too, then you know he'll he'll change it a little bit more. But you know everyone wants to be Steph because it's, it's he's relatable. He's he's not a, a giant. He's not like Shaq was or he's not like LeBron is right now. You know he's what is he like six one, six three maybe six three. But you know he was he was really small in college. You know he was you know a little underweight. He looked scrawny, but. Um, now he's put on some muscle and stuff, but it was like the same thing with Allen Iverson. When I was growing up, everyone wanted to be Allen Iverson. You know, Allen Iverson was five eleven, but you know he was he was athletic and you know he could get to the basket, he could get his shot off, he had crazy handles, and everyone wanted to be number three. You know, and um, this season that Steph is having this year is similar to what um, Allen Iverson had in two thousand one when he went to the NBA Finals um, with that Sixers team. And they ended up losing five games to um, the Lakers, but he had that one like fifty-point game in game one in the finals, and they won that game. But he had to put the whole team on his back during the entire season to even. He had to score at least forty every game to even get them, you know, in the game and to to have them be, even be competitive that season. He took them all the way to the finals. So LeBron had a season like that. Uh, Westbrook had a season like that. He ended up with a six seed and losing. Uh, to the Rockets, you know, when he was uh, he won the MVP, averaged that triple-double. Uh, but this is a season like that that Steph Curry is having where it's, you know, just him pretty much facilitating everything for the offense, getting everything started. And, you know, right now they're not, they're not where they need to be to make a deep run. You know, they're in the ninth spot, which would qualify for the play-in. Um, but, you know, they're, they're playing – they're really hot right now. They're really hot. Um, I think – but they're like they're six and four in the last ten, you know. So they've been close in these games, you know. They're a way different team than they were in the beginning. Remember, in the beginning of the year, they played, uh, they had Brooklyn and then they had Milwaukee, and they just got blown out back to back games. And then you know they kind of 
they kind of hit their stride after that. But then they had some injuries. But now they're kind of finding that sweet spot again. And honestly, I do think this will, uh, you know, kind of put Steph Curry in the MVP conversation because you've had injuries to LeBron James. You've had injuries to Joel Embiid, who missed a couple weeks. He's back now, and he's, he's looking good. Um, Jokic is still there. And uh, Dame, he was there too for a bit, but, you know, they've kind of fallen off. They've They've been pretty inconsistent. Um, and then, you know, you have Utah as well. Donovan Mitchell, you can make a case for him. You can make a case for Chris Paul. So there's not really like a definitive, hey, that's the MVP right there. So in a year where it feels like there's not, you know, a number one guy right now, I think Steph Curry, you can you can make an argument that Steph Curry could be that. You know, I know everyone wants to talk about the record, 29-29, and 29, but what would that record be without Steph Curry, right? Th- this would be a lottery team without Steph Curry. And... I mean, you've seen what happened with the Lakers without LeBron. They're still a five seed. They're 35 and 23. But, you know, what Steph Curry's been able to do for this Warriors team and keep them afloat, basically, just to get them in the playoff game or the playing game and then just see what happens, you know, because anything could happen. You win that one game and you make it to the, uh, to the next round, then you get a guaranteed playoff spot and then you're in the series. And then who knows what happens after that, right? So um, I think he's he's legitimately in the conversation. Jokic is in the conversation as well, especially with Jamal Murray going down. Uh, tore his ACL. With the, that was that was tough to see. Um, but they're in the fourth spot right now at 37 and 20. Um, they're only three games back uh, from uh, from the Clippers, who are in the third spot. Uh, but I, I think as far as the Nuggets go and their chances to to go to the finals and win, I think they still have a great chance. You know, they're starting five. You have to excuse my fucking dogs for barking and my cat meowing sometimes on the episodes. Um, yeah, they're starting five, though. It's still pretty good. They, Michael Porter has been great. Um, he came back from COVID, has bounced back well. And then Jokic and Aaron Gordon. It's all It all starts with Jokic. He's the one who kind of sets everything up, and he's just like such a fascinating player to me. His, his you know, versatility... And the you know the way he passes, he can shoot. He could just do everything. Um, and he's been, I mean, he's been great too. Yesterday he had he had forty seven points um, in that win against. I think they played Memphis, uh, but yeah, he he's been great. So I don't think you you should write them off right away just because they lost Jamal Murray, which is a big blow to them. But they still have enough talent to make some noise to make a deep run uh, in the playoffs. I'm not sure about making the finals, but. You know, it's been a weird kind of funky year um, in the West, especially with injuries. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron are still not back, you know, so they've been able to stay there in the fifth spot. And then um, let's see what else. Yeah, I mean, and then the East as well, too, with uh, with KD and Harden been out and, and Kyrie. I'll get to them in a minute. Um, but then also, you know, who else can, should get some consideration um, in the MVP race should be uh, Chris Paul. You know he has these these uh, Phoenix Suns at 41 and 16, second in the in the West, and you know they can honestly move up and and get um, home court advantage. You know get that number one seed in the West, which would be great because uh, Donovan Mitchell of Utah, uh, he's going to miss a few games with a with an ankle injury, but you know this is pretty much the same roster that that Phoenix had last year, and they went to the bubble. And um, they ended up losing to the Blazers, so they didn't really, they didn't make the playoffs. And then they brought in Chris Paul, 
and he's just that the ultimate floor general and the ultimate leader. Even though he hasn't won anything, he just knows how to play. He knows what you need to do to get to that next level. And he can bring the most out of uh, the guys on the team right now. He could just make sure that they that they develop faster and that you know they they get that edge on um, on other teams in the league. And you know they are a young team, so that's my only concern with them heading into the playoffs. Is you know can they sustain this type of success and this type of uh, um, offensive efficiency? You know when when they're playing in, in the playoffs because you know it, things slow down. Um, and you know the one that I, I'm really kind of focusing on is DeAndre Ayton. You know we've seen Devin Booker in some big moments. I haven't seen him in the playoffs, but you know he he's been able to hit some big shots, hit some buzzer beaters, and you know he's a go-to guy in in crunch time. Um, but you know it's the other cat, it's the you know supporting cast besides uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker because you know what they're going to do. Um, you know I hope they make a deep run, but you know I I would I think I trust Utah more. Uh, but Utah doesn't have a guy like Chris Paul. You know, they're also pretty young. Um, and, you know, they've, they've just been able to play well together. And, you know, with the they have a lot of movement. Their their team defense is really good, too, actually. So so I think that 1-2 spot is pretty solidified, um, unless someone else gets injured. Because, you know, the Clippers are right there at 40-19. And Paul George, he's had a great year. You know, kudos to Paul George. You know, he... Um, he got embarrassed last year in the bubble and a lot of people were just kind of, kind of shitting on them, on him there for a while. And, you know, he owned it. He said, I'm going to go back to training how I used to, and I'm going to come back with a vengeance and show everyone, you know, who Paul George really is. And he's done that, you know, he's, he's been quiet this year and, you know, they're third in the West, you know, they've been playing well. Um, and I've said this on my past episodes. I think this is, this is where the Clippers need to be. This is where they should want to be. Everyone bet on the Clippers to win last year. I thought the Clippers were going to win, and, you know, they just they didn't. And, you know, a lot of people, they lost that trust in them, but they're in a good spot where there's not going to be too much attention on them. And, you know, you have Kawhi there. He was going to miss a couple weeks now, but then you have Paul George. If they just they lay low, um, then, you know, they can, you know, they can make the finals. Um, you know, Tyron Lue, He's proved to be a good coach. You know he, uh, you know he won with LeBron, uh, which a lot of people will will give LeBron the credit, and not uh, Ty Lue. But uh, what he's done with this Clippers team has been has been great, um, and um, I think they're going to be good in the playoffs. Also, um, you know Patrick Beverly though he he seems to not be uh, where he needs to be. Um, you know he's always kind of injured and just you know does kind of stupid fouls and stuff. Uh, I don't think he's like that lockdown defender like he used to be anymore, but um, I guess we'll see. And then, you know, when they got Rondo, now that they have they have that leadership that they need also, because, you know, Kawhi is more of um, a silent leader, and, you know, Rondo, when it, playoffs comes, he turns it on, and, um, you know, I think that's going to be good for the locker room, and he'll probably get more playing time than uh, Patrick Beverly. Uh, but, you know, I hope that the Suns and the Clippers end up playing in the playoffs because, you know, uh, Rondo and uh, Chris Paul, they have that, that rivalry. They have some beef together. Rondo won't even say his name in the press conferences. <laughs> so uh, that'll be exciting to see. And then rounding out um, the top ten, you have Portland 6, Dallas 7, Memphis at 8, and then I mentioned Golden State earlier at 9, and then San Antonio at 10. Uh, that would be for the, the play-in game. 
And then you have New Orleans at 25 and 32. I'm tired of them showing New Orleans on TV, man. It just, they're not a good team, you know, like outside of Zion. Like, I, they, they don't defend at all. And, you know, their, their guards are inconsistent shooters. And they're not going to make the play in. Maybe the NBA will change some rules again and try to get Zion in the playoffs. But if they're not good enough, they're not good enough. And we should stop putting them on TV. You know, like when, when did they show, when have they shown Memphis on TV? I haven't seen them in a while. Maybe, actually, no, I think it was a couple couple of weeks ago. Uh, but Portland, I talked about them earlier. They have been uh, kind of up and down. Uh, Dame Lowe has been injured. Uh, but they're still 32 and 24. Um, I guess we'll see how high they can go. There's only like less than a quarter left of the season. And then Dallas, you know, they're finally hitting their stride. And, um, you know, Chris Stops is playing a little better. Uh, they're 30 and 26. Um, so, you know, we're here at the home stretch. Um, the final teams are going to have to, you know, keep winning to stay in their spots. Um, but other than New Orleans in the bottom, I don't think any other one of those teams has a, um, has a chance, you know, because they're 25 and 32, so they're two out. Or they're, they're three and a half out, actually. And in Sacramento, they're, they're 23 and 34. How does Luke Walton still have a job? Like, man, they what they have done with that roster is just, you know, they have the pieces there. They have, you know, some good players, but they just haven't been able to, to piece together a good season. And um, I expect that he's probably, he's probably going to get fired here soon. Uh, moving over to the East Eastern Conference, the top three have stayed the same. Oh, you have Philly, 39-18, Brooklyn, 38-19. Uh, KD is out again, though. He's kind of... Uh, it's kind of in and out. I think this time it was a thigh injury. And I don't know if they're just trying to be safe when he's like not feeling 100% that they're just resting him because he came back from his Achilles injury or if he's actually, you know, this injured, you know, because that's a problem if he's that injured. Um, you know, if he can't stay in the lineup, he just seems like he's been injured a lot. Him and Anthony Davis this season, I guess Anthony Davis has been out with the same injury. Uh, but this Brooklyn team, you know, because now Harden had a setback, too, that came out today. So now he's going to be uh, out even longer. They don't even have a timeline for him. So I don't really expect him or uh, KD to be to play that much uh, in the regular season because there's not that many left games left. So I think they're just going to try to get them some rest before the playoffs because um, I don't think they care where they are at, you know, as far as seeding goes. Um, you know, cause they know like, Hey, you're going to have to guard three of us, you know, three perennial, um, all-stars and just try to defend that offensive game. And they're just, they're so prolific and it's just hard to guard them. So they don't really care. You know, they know they can outscore anyone. Um, and then Milwaukee they're they're getting a little better, but they're still 35, 22, the third seed. And then, uh, you have Atlanta who's been hot since they, um, they got a new coach, um, I wouldn't say hot, but they've they've been playing a lot better. Um, they are eight of two, eight and two in the last ten. Um, and then Boston, you know, they're they're a little better, thirty one twenty seven. They uh, they just beat Golden State, but you know now they're kind of playing like a team instead of how they were playing earlier. Um, and then New York and Miami, Charlotte, uh, Lamelo Ball is going to be coming back here soon, uh, but they're at twenty eight twenty eight. And then uh, Indiana and Chicago. Um, I think in the East you have, I think you only have like three teams maybe that can uh, win the East. You have Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. 
Um, and I think that's it, honestly. I don't think anyone else could really win the, the East. Miami, they just don't seem to have it this year. Um, uh, but we'll see. And then, I guess, yeah, Washington's at 24 and 33. So they're tied with Chicago to get into that 10th spot. So maybe I'll be right and then they'll get in that 10th spot. Um, and then uh, NFL news, yeah, Julian Edelman uh, announced his retirement. Uh, he just didn't have it. He had a lot of injuries uh, this past season. Um, so he's hanging it up and played his entire career in New England. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be, you know, had that conversation already if he was a Hall of Famer or not. You know, I think, you know, his regular season stats, you know, weren't Hall of Fame worthy. But when, you know, the lights were the brightest and, you know, the, the moments were the biggest, he came through. He has a Super Bowl MVP and has those championships. I think, you know, that makes him a Hall of Famer. You know, because there's some players, like Calvin Johnson, I heard this on, on the radio, is that he, I mean, he, he didn't even play in a playoff game, so he had, like, no playoff resume, but he had the crazy stats for the regular season for his career, so he's a Hall of Famer. But, you know, Julian Edelman, he went he went deep in the playoffs all the time and won Super Bowls and, and made incredible catches in the, in the biggest game. Um, so I think that counts for something, that has to count for something, and I think... You know, if you do that, you should be you should be in the Hall of Fame, and he did it, you know, more than once. So I think that that qualifies as a Hall of Fame career. Um, Alex Smith retired too. You know, he came back from his gruesome injury. We almost lost his leg and almost lost his life, and he came back with Washington and you know had him had him close to make the playoffs. And you know he was he was he played all right, and uh, he he wanted a starting job somewhere. Almost went back to Jacksonville, or went to Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, reunited with him, and helped Trevor Lawrence, uh, but he ultimately decided to retire, and uh, he had a great career, you know, he, um, I always liked him as a player, and a professional, he was, uh, just seemed like a good dude, you know, had bad circumstances, you know, he he got, was overshadowed by Patrick Mahomes, and got replaced, same with Colin Kaepernick, and, you know, he was pretty much just like the bridge quarterback for everyone, uh, but, you know, by all accounts, he still stayed a professional, and still, uh, helped out the younger guy and, um, you know, just to help them develop. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes even also uh, thanked uh, Alex Smith for his development and his um, his growth as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, that, that was tough to see because he was, he was one of my favorite quarterbacks, even though he didn't he didn't do a lot for San Francisco, but he, he overcame a lot in, you know, early in his career with the different offensive coordinators and different coaches. And then, then he was finally starting to hit his stride with Jim Harbaugh. Had that great run against the uh, the Saints in the playoffs, and um, you know he won that game. Had that touchdown, and then he got injured. And then you know he would have won that Super Bowl, I think. You know when they were playing that uh, NFC Championship game against the Giants, and then Kyle Williams fumbled it, and whatever they blew it. I think they would have beaten the Patriots that year. Um, and then he gets injured, and then they put Colin Kaepernick in, and then you know it's over for him there. And then they ended up trading him to Kansas City. So he had a lot of things like that happening. Um, <clears throat> see what else. Uh, DMX passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. He was 50 years old. Had a had an overdose and was in the hospital for a while. And um, man, he was like he was one of my favorite rappers as a kid. He was just like just mad aggressive all the time. And he had like great great music for parties and just uh, timeless music that he had and. Um, that was tough because he, I mean, he's been kind of like out of control for the last like eight to ten years. It seemed like you know he had a lot of um, 
run-ins with the law and stuff and people were just no one was really like offering to help him out or anything it didn't seem like um and then now all of a sudden people are giving him his roses and you know i you know i wish that you know when he's people are around like that and you know people are giving them their flowers while they're here instead of you know when they pass it's like okay you know rest in peace dmx and all that but um yeah it was tough he was obviously still battling addiction stuff and his music was so true because he was always you know talking about his struggles with uh with his mental health and um and how he was coping with it and that's what you know made his music like real you know he didn't he didn't change at all you know other rappers they kind of change with the times change the way they dress change with it what they rap about he just stayed he stayed the same he was wearing those baggy pants and timberlands and and this this uh, rough rider jacket and the chains he was still wearing that to this day so and that's what he was he was wearing when he first started out so, and he has there's a lot of interesting stories surrounding him um early in his career and stuff um so that was sad to see um and then uh what else so a couple of shows i've been watching a lot um i finally have gone on my my dvr and i going through all my snowfall episodes which is on fx um it's a it's a show about you know the start of the uh the crack epidemic in in los angeles and it's really good so it takes place in the early 80s i think like 83 or something uh but it's it was created by john singleton who also did boys in the hood and there's four seasons and i'm on i think i'm on season three right now but when i first i started watching it when it first came out and then kind of stopped but i have my dvr set so it records all of it automatically but man this show is really good and it's um it's so intense and there's just like so much crime um it's just like a, a high school kid who starts selling crack and it's just about how he built his um his empire pretty much but it also follows uh, the cartel, and then it follows the CIA, and how they're involved in kind of facilitating some of the stuff. But it's very well done, and the cast is, is really good. It's uh, it's it's a really good show, and I highly recommend it. Um, and then I just started watching this show; just came out. It's with uh, Kate Winslet. She plays like a um, she's a detective in a small town, and she investigates a local murder. And while trying to keep her her life from falling apart she's like a she used to be a, a basketball star in high school and she made some some shot or whatever but it's about her personal life and then uh, there was a, a crime that she's trying to investigate for um a, a, a young girl who was actually the daughter of uh, one of her former high school teammates but that case went cold and she you know she's looked everywhere and she's kind of stopped investigating that but then you know there's a new murder that happens in the first episode and so now she's investigating that and it's she's um the girl who gets murdered is also like a, a young girl i don't know if she's in high school or not but um yeah it, it's it's seems like it's gonna be a good show it's a mini series i think there's like eight episodes um the first one was obviously a little slow um there was a lot of uh extra extra stuff with um you know extra scenes that i didn't really care for i kind of wanted more of the like the crime and, and drama aspect but um I'm gonna give the the next episode a chance and you know see if it picks up, but um, you know pretty interesting so far, um, and and yeah that, that's what I've been watching so far. I I, I was just binging uh, Snowfall pretty much for like the past week and then uh, catching up on some NBA stuff and um, rewatching Eastbound and Down. 
which I kind of regret because I always feel like an asshole when I watch <laughs> Eastbound Down because Danny McBride is such a dick. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I've been watching. Um, and then uh, we have the Oscars coming up here um, next week, I believe, right? did want to go through some of my picks before Sunday, so I'll go through these. Um, best Actor in a Leading Role, you got Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, and Gary Oldman in Mank, and Steve Stephen Ewan in uh, Minari. I think Chadwick is, is going to win that one. Um, and then Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Sasha Baron Cohen in The Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and then Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami, Paul Racy in uh, Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. Huh, that is a tough one. Um, it's a strong group right there. Um, I'll, I'll say Lakeith Stanfield will win. Um, he was. It seemed like he was the main the main actor in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, the main character. They kind of focused on him more um, than they did uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who played Fred Hampton. Um, and then actress in a leading role, Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrew Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand in Nomadland, uh, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Um... I did say Francis McDormand at first, but I think I'm going to change mine to Andrew Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday. I thought she was just amazing in that role, and it was such a good movie. Um, and then actress in a supporting role, uh, Maria Fakalova in Borat's subsequent movie film. Um, and then uh, Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman in The Father, Amanda Seyfried in... Mank and Yu Jung Yoon in Minari. This one's tough too. I don't know who the favorite in this one is. I'll say uh, Yu Jung Yoon in Minari. And then best directing uh, another round. Uh, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, and Promising Young Woman. I think Chloe Zhao for Nomadland is going to win uh, best director. Uh, documentary. I didn't see any of the documentaries. I think I saw. Nope, I didn't see any of those actually. It's time. My octopus, octopus teacher, mole agent, crip camp, and collective. Uh, documentary shorts. I didn't see any of those. Then uh, best adapted screenplay. Yeah, Borat, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. I think One Night in Miami wins that one. Um, and then writing for uh, original screenplay, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of Chicago 7. I think uh, Sound of Metal wins that one. And then the big award for Best Picture, you have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mink, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, this one's tough because you know there's a lot of a lot of these are great movies, uh, but I just really loved Sound of Metal. I've watched it a few times now. Um, I just, I can't get enough of that movie, um, so I'm gonna say Sound of Metal wins. Uh, but I think they're I don't I'm not sure who's favorite. I think Nomadland is favored, or um, yeah, that one might be favored. But those are my Oscar picks, and I think that is gonna be on Sunday. And then next week I'll do. 
a uh, mock draft for the NFL draft. I think it's next Thursday. Um, so I'll have that out on Tuesday, probably next Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening uh, this episode. Be safe, and yeah, we'll talk next week.